right, live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night, Real America's Voice, of course, has been covering Marjorie Taylor Greene and uh, Representative Matt Gates down in Georgia, and I believe she's still speaking. Let's, t- let's take a listen and dip in here to the uh, listen to Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah. Even her supporters think it's a good idea. They think she's going to crush me. What do you all think? Yeah, I don't think so either. So she doesn't want to debate me anymore. And because I kept asking her about it and I asked her about it because that's what we're supposed to do as members of Congress. We're supposed to debate legislation, right? Well, she's so disturbed that she considered taking out a order against me, a restraining order. Can you imagine that? Now, remember, this is the same little girl from New York who has supported Antifa and BLM riots that have attacked American cities, burned them, attacked police officers night after night. She even put out a little guide on her Instagram of how to go protest. Yeah, a little guide recommending you keep your hair pulled back, making sure that, you know, that you're all ready. You got a snack and water bottles, probably (laughs) advising people to take cans of soup. They don't give them to the hungry, you guys. They throw them at police officers. The Democrats are an interesting crowd, though. They really are. It's the house of hypocrites. And it's run by the queen of the house of hypocrites, Nancy Pelosi. I have a new name for her. I call her Speaker Maskhole. It fits, it, it's appropriate. So, you know, Joe Biden suddenly declared that COVID was over and the CDC went along with it and you don't have to wear your mask anymore. And so I went back to Washington and I was really excited. I was like, yeah, I'm, you know, I believe in people wearing a mask if they want to. I believe in people getting a vaccine if they want to but I'm really tired of wearing this mask when I don't need to. Boy, we have a lot of smart people in the room. You must have something called common sense. So I decided to stop wearing my mask on the house floor and uh, apparently that's frowned upon. As a matter of fact, I received a couple of letters about that and I've got a fine for $500 and another fine for $2,500, which is a heck of a lot of money. And I don't have to pay it and I'm not going to. Do you think I should have to pay that? They aren't going to take my paycheck for standing up for kids every single day across this country who are forced to wear a mask when they go to school, when they're in the lowest risk group and they're not spreading COVID around. As a matter of fact, they're kids in school and they shouldn't be forced to wear a mask. And you know what else? Athletes, high school athletes and kids shouldn't be forced to wear masks when they're competing in their sports. We shouldn't be seeing videos of track athletes running outside with a mask on 
deprived of oxygen when they're running as hard as they can so that they fall down and land face first on the finish line. That's an outrage. So I won't be wearing my mask anymore on the house floor. I don't care how many letters and fines they tell me they're going to give me. I'm not doing it. Because I'm an American woman and I'm free. And all of you are Americans and you're free. And if I can't stand up and fight these microaggressions in the people's house, then how is anyone supposed to be able to fight it at home? We are not going to be treated like second-class citizens because we don't want to wear a mask anymore and because we refuse to get a vaccine that's not even approved by the FDA. And there is no government agency, there is no business, there is no school, there is no group that can force you to get a vaccine that you don't want to get. That's wrong. Yeah, my body, my choice. And you know what? It's a great statement. I'll tell you why it's a great statement. My body, my choice. Because when it comes to abortion, that baby in a woman's womb is not her body. That's a body that belongs to another human being. It should never be murdered in her mother's womb. Over 62 million people in this country. Yeah, those were American citizens that were murdered in their mother's womb. It's a horrible lie. A lie sold to women that in order to achieve, you have to kill that baby. That is the worst evil, most horrific evil that is happening in our land. We need to end abortion completely, end it. Well, back to Speaker Maskhole. <laughs> I want to tell you guys a little story. See, she doesn't really care about COVID either. Nope, she doesn't care. She don't care. It's just a political tool for power. I'll tell you how I know that. I've watched it. January 3rd, when I was sworn into the 117th Congress, the same Congress that declared that there's no such thing as gender anymore. Yeah, what a joke. <laughs> well, anyways, Nancy Pelosi was a little short on votes. You see, she needed everybody to show up to vote for her so she could be Speaker of the House. A lot of these Democrats hadn't even been there for months because they were sitting at home voting by proxy with about six masks on their face inside doing Zoom calls. <laughs> you can't even make it up. Yes, yeah, so she told all her people, you better show up in Washington on January 3rd because I need you here to vote for me. Well, guess what? There were a few members that had, had tested positive for COVID. She brought them in anyways. Yeah, they were there. They were there. 
They were there. So imagine that if COVID is such a terrible thing that Nancy Pelosi thinks that we're all like a big Petri dish in here spreading it all around. And she thinks that people that are unvaccinated and unmasked are like the unclean of the civilization. That's how they treat us, right? Yeah, but she brought in her COVID positive Democrat members so they could vote for her for Speaker of the House. Well, then she went even went a step further because some of them were complaining about that. So she ordered a box built inside the chamber. It's up on the top on the upper level so they could sit in there and vote. But I don't know about you guys, we aren't really living in Star Trek and they don't just beam these people in the COVID box, right? No, they gotta walk around to get in there, don't they? As a matter of fact, they gotta fly or drive into Washington DC, which meant they were around people. They had to walk into the Capitol building. Oh, God forbid, bringing in COVID. Yeah. They had to come in there and that's how they got in there to vote for her for speaker. So do you think Nancy Pelosi really cares about COVID? No, she doesn't care one bit. She just cares about power. So the Jihad squad, which is supporting terrorism, do you think Nancy Pelosi has denounced them? No, she didn't denounce them. We have Eric Swalwell who slept with a Chinese spy yeah, he sits on the Intel Committee. Did old Speaker Maskell denounce Eric Swalwell? No, she did not. She made sure he stayed on the Intel Committee. She's got old Ilhan Omar. It's rumored that she married her brother. At least that's what I heard. Did y'all hear that same rumor? <laughs> yeah. She's very loyal to, not to America. But Nancy Pelosi defends her. She would never denounce her. As a matter of fact, she wouldn't denounce Maxine Waters who flew across state lines and went in and incited a riot in an area that was having riots every single night. What kind, let me ask you something. When Maxine Waters walks in and set, tells them, after 11 o'clock at night, which is past curfew, by the way, to get more confrontational. What's more confrontational than the violence in the streets, burning cities, looting businesses, attacking police officers, attacking property? What is more confrontational than that? So I introduced a resolution to expel Maxine Waters. But Nancy Pelosi did not denounce her. Oh no, she knows how to hold everybody in really tight so that they can ram through the Democrat socialist agenda that's going to tear down our country. That's what she's doing. Unfortunately, I haven't seen that happening so well in our Republican conference, unfortunately. We had 10 people, 10 Republicans vote to impeach Donald J. Trump, our president. 
We shouldn't have had one. But that's how it seems to work. You see, here's what we have to do. Republicans have to take back, back the majority in 2022. It's critical that we do that. But when we take back the majority, we have to take it back with a Republican conference that understands conservative American values. What do you all think? And we have to take back the House with leadership that cares about conservative American values, which are America first policies. So that's what we're going to be working on, and we're going to be working very hard on doing that. So this is what Matt Gates and I are doing. We're traveling the country with these America First rallies, and I'll tell you why they're so important. We know that America First policies are the only way to save America and stop socialism. And it's our job to do it. It's our generation's turn. And the reason why we have to do it is because we have great threats to our future. We have China, China, where, where it is now mostly known that the COVID virus came out of a lab, but Facebook banned you if you said that before, which is probably a bunch of you in this room. We have an Iran that would love nothing more than to have nuclear weapons. We have a Middle East that doesn't care about Israel's right to defend itself. As a matter of fact, they'd like to yank those people right out of their land and hand it to the Palestinian Authority. We have a world that wants to invade America and is currently doing that along our southern border. And then they want the American taxpayers to pay for their housing and their food, stimulus checks, whatever, while they also work a job and send money back home tax-free. You see, these America First policies are the policies that President Trump put in place over the last four years. America First policies are the policies that we know that we can trust to save our country and build our children's future. These are the policies that we're going to take all over the country and make sure that the Republican Party understands that this is what the American people want because it's people over politicians. And the only way we're going to do that is with America First. understand it it makes sense to you because you're Americans and you love our country let me tell you what we're about to do I'm gonna walk off this stage and I'm gonna go get my friend congressman Matt Gates we're gonna come back out here and we're gonna have a little bit of stories to tell and we're gonna talk a little bit about some interesting things that go on that you don't hear about on CNN because CNN is really too interested in training their viewers to hate me watch CNN yeah. yeah they lost like 70% of their viewers or something like that 
apparently people don't want to watch hate all day long and propaganda news. Yeah, figure that one out. <laughs> Maybe y'all should interview with them afterwards. <laughs> Tell them what you think. But be nice. Remember, we're not the party of violence. We want, we want them to leave and say, you know, they were nice to me there. Nobody hurt me. They might lie, though. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for coming. We're going to be back in a few minutes. God bless you guys. I love you. I love my district. Georgia 14 is the best. See you back in a few minutes. Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, like she said, in her home uh, state there in Georgia. Her and Matt Gates, they've done a, about three or four of these. On This is, I think, the third one they've done, and they're growing out there. I guess many, uh, many kind of rallies. Um, do we have Heather Mullins is live there on the scene. Heather, hi, Heather, how are you? Hey, what's going on, Damon? Well, not much. We got to hear the end of uh, Mar Marjorie Taylor Greene. Obviously, Matt Gates before her. This is one, I guess, the third one of these they've done. Um, so, from your point of view, you've seen these. I guess all of them. What, what, what's, what's the point of these? What, what's the message? Is it, is it just to kind of continue to get to Trump's base, get him fired up, get him out there, get him hearing? about America first, given all the division we have right now with Joe Biden and his policies and what's going on in this country. From your point of view, what are the, what are the, what's the point of what we're doing here? So Damon, my, my opinion on the whole matter is that, you know, these rallies are sort of needed because we're not, people like Marjorie and, and Mackey's and President Trump, like, they can't reach their base the normal way. Like obviously we interview them on Real America's Voice, but you get a lot of censorship on social, social media. You get a lot of censorship from the mainstream media and a lot of false narratives being pushed out there. This is really their way of reclaiming their message to the American people by actually going out and getting it on a grassroots level. Like all these people are going to go back home to their friends and families and relay what they heard here. So really it's a great way to, to spread the truth and counter disinformation. All right, well, Heather, you guys are doing great coverage. I know they're going to come back and do some question and answer. I don't, I don't think we're going to exactly take that. We're going to do, uh, continue on with the show here. But uh, thank you very much for covering it, and we'll uh, speak soon. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Damon. All right, live from Studio 6B, 18 past the hour, Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene are going to start doing their fireside chat. Uh, I guess where they're going to take some questions from the audience and um, do their thing. But... Um, you know, she's um, a spitfire. Yeah, she's a spitfire. <laughs> but here's what I'm interested in knowing from you guys. And I mean, we talk about on this show that we need we need people who understand what they're up against with the Democratic Party and Nancy Pelosi. And certainly she is one. What do you say to the people who say, though, um, she kind of gives she is the to the Democrat media. She's the AOC of the Republican Party as far as. Yeah, and I, I don't mean she's the LC, meaning, yes, she gives them lots of, a lot of commercials are going to be made come election time featuring things she said, things like that. What do you, what do you make of that take? It's, well, it's undeniable, right? I mean, let's be honest. The media can do anything they want. They can shape 
opinions as easily as they want. They can then have it backed up and confirmation biased by the social media platforms that are in lockstep with them. So, yeah, she does give a lot of ammunition and fodder. But I think what I like the most about her is really is that she's like Tana from the Bad News Bears. She just doesn't care. <laughs> she's just going to keep fighting. She won't be abused. She won't be knocked down. And she's just going to just be brass, you know, you know what, and going to go full steam ahead. And people know the media is full of baloney right now, so they don't, it's not going to matter as much, I don't think. Ken, but I guess my, to further my question, and again, I'm not saying I believe this, but I'm asking because this is what you hear. You hear from a conservative uh, even some conservative talk, talk radio, conservative voices out there, television, radio, podcasting, blogs, whatever it is, that she does not speak or represent mainstream conservative Republicans um, and that she is, she will be a problem. Uh, mm. I've, actually, I've actually seen someone say, if we don't retake the House, you can look directly at her. Um, as yeah, but, why? Well, yeah, but, is that but, the rhinos? Right. Well, exactly. yeah, of course it no, is. It's so, the establishment. So, right, but, so, what I, but what I'm asking right, you is, I'm, does do, do they still outweigh her in a few? I mean, I don't know who else you would compare with her as outspoken as she is. No, I, I don't. I don't think she Gates, does. Obviously, that's why yeah. they're out there together. I guess. Yeah. What I think she represents is the Trump contingent who just doesn't care about political speak they just want regular people out there fighting for yeah. regular issues on a regular de basis and they do not want these polished compromised uh clowns who just continue to roll over for the democratic party and this and and the the center line that has been pushed so far left they don't care you know they just want people to down and dirty people who are in there you know on the front lines or people who are farming the just everyday americans who live in rural part of the world who just want to be left alone and i just think at this point right now when you hear those establishment rhinos talking about doesn't represent the party it, it they do represent the party that <laughs> yeah. woman does represent the party and the problem is the rhinos just cannot stand the thought of having a bunch more of DeSantis's, her, Johnson's, Gates, you know, these people who are willing to step up and battle for conservatism and just leave me alone politics. Not only that, they're afraid of losing power because they see this contingent is growing. You well, that's know? why it, that's why they're saying it. Yeah, it, it's the it's the MAGA wing of the party, quote unquote, and it's much bigger than the establishment wing. It's, and it's growing by leaps and bounds, and they know it. So they have to try and tamp it down. That's why the only ones you'll hear about this from are the professional politicians, the, the, the Paul Ryans. Go, go away, Paul Ryan. You had your chance. You blew it. You could have been the Derek Jeter of politics for the Republican Party, but you were too busy sucking up to the powers that be just so you could, you know, have your little whatever deals you had, you know, kind of put in there. Oh, we're going to do this when we get in there. And you did nothing. You let everybody down. Well, he did more than nothing. He actually yeah. aided and abetted the bankers. He is a Goldman Sachs. He is a yeah, banking establishment, Federal Reserve, complete big government phony he's as phony as it gets so yeah. he did plenty he did plenty to undermine the party exactly and, and undermine the presidency of donald trump in his first two years absolutely let's keep that in mind as well and that's why they don't like her because she represents that she's like that that the, you know she's like the extra flare button you see on uh, on the uh, on, on the uh, what do you call it the waiters at, at hula hands or something you know where it's like you got you got trump who's the big you know who's the waiter and then you got all the flair well she's one of the flares and people like their flair 
And people like the, what they're saying. They like what, what's coming out of their mouths because, again, they're not professional politicians who have been there for 80-plus years. And they're standing up to the bullies right. like Nasty Pelosi, standing up to the bullies like Mitch McConnell, standing up to the, to the cowards like, like Lindsey Graham, standing up to the Schumers and all these complete big government lunatics. And she doesn't care how much dirt she gets on. She's been rolling around in the mud since she's a little kid. She don't care. Yeah. So you guys think people look at look at her as um, stand? I mean, obviously standing up for the the Trump. You call it the Trump wing of the party, and you think it's getting bigger, bigger oh, yeah. than the establishment. I, I, well, I think they already control the, the Republican anti party. Deep, kind of the anti deep state. She's yeah. standing up against this whole anti establishment. Yeah, and, and she talks like one of them. Yeah. Oh my goodness, how refreshing! Somebody that that actually speaks like I do, you know, who thinks like I do. Because they keep telling you, oh, this is fringe. It's not fringe. It's mainstream. It's more mainstream than the fringe they're telling you is supposed to be Absolutely. mainstream. Absolutely. Because all that nonsense on the left, that's not, people don't want transgender kids racing against transgender kids. They don't want you know their cities being burned by Antifa they don't and BLM. They sharing cold right. showers in bathrooms when their kids are nine. Yeah, they don't see themselves or their families or their countries as systemically racist. We are not. And th- she's one of the ones who hopefully will push this back and, and kind of help weather this uh, leftist storm that we're enduring. And they spin everything she says. But let's know that, listen, the media's got so much power. But I think so many people out there can care less. So many people have left the, the, the nonsensical left-right arguments. So many people have left that, you know, uh, that paradigm that just... It's just useless banter back and forth. People just simply want to be left alone, and they want somebody who's going to stand up and fight. We, what do we say about a month ago? Where are the patriots in politics? When these firemen and policemen were running into burning buildings on 9-11 and, and just giving up their lives to other people, I mean, those patriots were celebrated. And now we're at the front line of complete takeover of the country. After we watched, in my opinion, I just don't think it's, impo- it's impossible to deny a rigged election and weaponized media, weaponized intelligence. And we all know that it ain't going to get better unless people like us step up and we can't be apologetic anymore. All right, live from Studio 6B, just getting started, a little off because of uh, the coverage there, but we'll get it back on track. Lots to do tonight. News, sunny side of things coming up. Sports, lots to do. Glad you're in on a Thursday night. We're back right after this. Be 30 minutes past the hour. Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Rick Emirati's going to have sports. Rick Delgado's here, Geo Friend, holding it down. But right now, it's time to do some news. And here with the news, of course, is Mr. Paul Nolan. Paul Nolan, how are you? Um, I'm in a good mood. My, my, <laughs> my New York Island is kicked butt as big underdogs, and they yeah, whooped, right. so, they whooped they those did. penguins. Paul's, so. make, Paul's making his uh, Celine Dion appearance here tonight to do the news. So, <laughs> <laughs> get your tickets now. You never know when they'll be back. So, like being in Vegas. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> All right, let's do some quick news here, Paul. 
All right, so this is this is a really uh, this is just doesn't get better than this. Yeah. An Atlanta City Councilman who's aiming to be the city's next mayor had his car stolen by children in broad daylight Wednesday, according to reports. City Councilman Antonio Brown was attending a ribbon cutting ceremony at an event in Northeast Atlanta around noon when at least four kids jump into jumped into his car and took off. Yeah, and here the best part, of course, is he's a big defund the police. Uh. He has. Yeah, that <laughs> he has uh, last year he voted to support an ordinance to withhold 73 million from the budget of the Atlanta Police Department uh, and then it was voted down by one vote by the way um, Brown said that these thieves jumped into his vehicle Wednesday after he got out to speak with community leader Ben Norman he noted with his white Mercedes Benz coupe with his Achilles push start ignition and he failed to realize it had been started mm. ah yeah, that's nice to have. The city council would make that yeah, much money and have that's a, a that's a, a nice ride. I wonder, um, are the social uh, the social work network are they on top of getting the car back, or who did he? I mean, who did he call? Well, yeah, he called, he called a therapist to help him, yeah. uh, you know, kind of get through this whole thing. Are the, are the therapists working with the social workers to get the car back, I wonder? Are they on foot, or what are they doing exactly? Actually, they're calling Mercedes to see if they can get him a loner. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay, good. Because <laughs> don't. obviously, we don't call the police, obviously, because you, you don't want them, because they're, they're terrible. We have to defund them. So call the social workers. They'll track down your bins there for you, pal. And he, like, he's here defending these children, by the way. It is quote. He said, as I started to speed up, I knew that I had to let go. I knew I probably could have killed myself because it was going so fast. I would have started. I would have started to tumble and I would have hurt the kid. Um, and he went on to say that these kids are victims. These this is generational mm. poverty issue. These kids at 1230 in the afternoon. Why aren't they in school? Why aren't they enforcing systems to ensure that if they are not in school, their recreation centers have a place for them to go okay and uh, so he said this is all just a part of uh systemic racism sure. why these kids stole <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's clear i love i would love to have seen what he did first when the car was gone who we picked up you know you know he picked up the phone to hit nine and then he said and he thought oh well no man i probably, probably shouldn't do that because there'll probably be a record of it and then i'll look like a absolute phony that we already know he is what I understand, he called up and they put it as a low priority. The cops didn't, they didn't pick up for five minutes because he said, uh, you know, a bunch of kids were just goofing around. He acted like it wasn't a big deal as he almost got squished. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he was fighting the kid trying to get him out of the car. The kids, by the way, between 6 and 12. <laughs> wow. Old. 6 and 12. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. It's time now for um, Sonny's Side of Things featuring uh, Sonny Joy Nelson. Roll it, G. And there she is, Sunny Joy Nelson. Welcome back to the show, Sunny. How are you? I'm good. I can't stop laughing at that um, that news article that Paul was just talking about. I mean, six years old. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I was giggling the whole time. Well, good. They got good taste. They went after a Benz at least. So I guess you got to give them that. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. little the little rascals just ripped them off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Man. All right. So what's uh, what's going on yeah. on Sunny's side of things tonight? What was our question? All right. Yeah. So our question of the day was, should we look into the origins of COVID-19? This has been in the news a lot lately. I'm seeing a lot of it on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And 
as Marjorie Taylor Greene was just saying, you know, if you question the origins of COVID-19, that could get you blocked on Facebook. So I wanted to ask everybody their thoughts on this, get their opinions, and we got a lot of responses back. Okay. Well, you know, Facebook, um, because they're a bunch of weasels too and phonies, they said today or yesterday that they are now going to not remove any postings or videos or anything that's talking about this now because you know a year ago of course you got called a right-wing nut job and a conspiracy theorist and you got deplatformed but now facebook has decided because of course they're the arbiters of all truth that they're not going to take down any posts to question this so a little reversal of course no one will call them out on it the media will just go ho-hum yeah okay so now that's what we're doing that's the new rules but let's hear what the audience had to say so let's what's the first response Okay, yes. Number one, we have, I'm going to mess this name up. I already know it. it. says Rocky1219 says, yes, the American people and the world deserve the truth out of China. If China won't be transparent, then we should stop doing business with them. You know, this reminds me, a very wise man once said, America <laughs> first. <laughs> no, that, yeah. <laughs> I, we miss that man now, but you know, Beijing Biden is not going to stop doing business with his number one business partner. Yeah, that's, um, that's exactly right. And by the way, there's a yeah, and there's a story out today. By the way, uh, speaking of that, uh, Joe Biden met with Hunter Biden's foreign business associates while he was vice president. This in the Daily Wire today. Of course, no mainstream media will pick up on it. But um, as we said yesterday, the idea that the WHO is going to get anything straight from China. And then and the idea that we're going to get anything straight from the WHO is just laughable. It's just laughable that that's going to happen. But all right, so let's see uh, response number two. All right, number two we have from Zuzu Loves Pups 41. They say, yes, need to know if they created this as a biological weapon. Now, this is something that people were definitely criticized for in the beginning days of COVID. You know, you definitely got caught a conspiracy theorist if you questioned this at all. But now we have Fauci just recently saying that he's not convinced that this virus developed naturally. So which way is it? I think this is an appropriate question to ask. Well, Paul Nolan, you you don't know anyone that got called a conspiracy theorist for saying it's a bioweapon, did you? I, uh, <laughs> Anybody I, on this show by maybe the host? <laughs> I, re- I remember uh, bringing like white papers in. I have like these peer-reviewed studies from from uh, you know Cold Spring Harbor Labs, and you know then they redacted and pulled back, and and there was so much evidence that this thing was not fortuitous. It would have taken over a hundred years to evolve into this. It was clearly made in a lab, and. Uh, I'm going to take the foil off now. <laughs> that, uh, was your, that was your stance. I'm now on the front lines, baby. <laughs> <laughs> this is no longer a quack. Yeah. Well, that was Paul's stance that it was a bioweapon right from the go. And, of course, I called him a nut job because I wanted to have more information. But as usual, um, Paul was right. So, all right, well, let's go. Uh, well, well. <laughs> let's go response number three, Sonny. Okay, number three we have from... Beer good, people cray. Absolutely. I think they should also include flash release anything done by Trump admin with it. Um, now, if you remember, the Trump administration from the beginning, they did question the origins of COVID. I'm sure everybody remembers the clip of Trump saying, because it came from China. He questioned it, <laughs> and he got called racist. 
from the very beginning. Yeah, he absolutely did. I have a well, we don't. I'm doing. Nah, we don't have time to play it now, G. But that that supercut I have of exactly this uh, is pretty good. But let let's keep going here. Let's go to uh, let's go to number four. Okay, number four is from Instagram, and it comes from DocBoy33. He says, yes, of course, unless Democrats have something to hide. And he brings up a good point. You know, COVID, unfortunately, honestly, since the beginning, has just been a very partisan issue. And now we have Democrats pushing. They, they want a bipartisan investigation into the January 6th riot, but they don't want to investigate the origins of a virus that has killed hundreds of thousands of people. Something's just not lining up there to me. We went through an entire impeachment process, but we still want to look through January 6th again. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's <laughs> it's very similar to what we said about thinking that China's going to be straight with the WHO and the WHO is going to be straight to us. The idea that the Democrats, by Nancy Pelosi running it, and again, unless she's the first witness on the stand under oath, then I'm okay with it. Other than that, the idea that they're going to run a nonpartisan commission to look at anything is uh, exactly is about on the same level as China being straight with us. She's, I mean, come on, stop. Yep. Right. All right, let's go. Next one. Exactly. Okay, number five comes from Instagram as well. And this is from karasong.photo says, no need. We all know it's from China, but look for evidence. Absolutely. Again, this plays into the Trump administration and him calling it what it was from the beginning, saying it came from China. And I'm sure you all remember when Joe Biden said that this was hysterical xenophobia and he was fear mongering. Well, now there's another side to that. Now people are wanting to question where it came from. So which one is it? Does it only fit your narrative when you want it to? Yes. Um, let me ask you this. Is there anybody who, who didn't respond in the same as the first five we've seen? Is there anyone who said, no, we shouldn't look into it? No, every single person that responded said, yes, we should. Okay. So let me go around here. Um, and Sonny, I'll start with you. Do you think, uh, the Biden administration has the ability to look into this, has the ability to actually confront China with it and get any information about the origins of this in the end, yes or no? No, I don't, because China has Joe Biden in their back pocket and they know it. So I don't think we will get any kind of transparent answer out of China as to what happened and what caused all of this. And I know that the media will cover it up for him. All right, Paul Nolan, um, I know you may think differently. Do you uh, think that Joe Biden has the ability to get anything done on this? I think the new guy's doing great, and I think he's going to. Uh, <laughs> I think he's going to start digging in, and I think he's going to be America first president. I think he's going to uh, yeah. cut off all ties with China, and I think he's going to save America from this corporate takeover. And uh, wait, no, I yeah, changed no. my mind. <laughs> yeah, no, all of that, no, no. Well, we have. Well, okay, let me finish. Rick Delgado, do you think he can? Uh, I think I said this last night, and I, it bears repeating. I think it's just a 90-day, hey, let's distract you for 90 days to get it to the end of the summer, where hopefully you won't be thinking about it. Something else will be happening, so we don't have to worry about it. Because uh, as, uh, you know, what's his name? Um, I think it was Senator Kennedy said, if you picked up President Xi and shook him upside down, do you think the uh, WHO would fall out? Yes. So, yeah. 
Okay, Rick Amorati, do you think President Biden will be able to do anything on this? Well, whether he can or can't is a moot point. I think he's going to get back in bed with the WHO, and that's going to be a moot point altogether. Right. Well, we already have done yeah. that, right? We rejoined. So. Yeah. All right, Sonny, were there any other responses yeah. that you thought were really, really good? I saw one there at number seven. I thought I thought that one was pretty good from somebody. I forget what I – it was pretty good. No, what was oh, number yes. seven? That one said that China has had over a year. Oh, there it is. It won't matter. China has had over a year to cover it up. The last administration should have done it. And again, this just points back to (laughs) they're placing blame on the Trump administration, I believe. Um, When I I think Trump would have been the only president that actually holds China's feet to the fire and get some transparent answers out of them. Well, I think you're absolutely right. And we've been talking about this even before this blew up in the media in the last two, three weeks. We've been saying all of a sudden, the media, you don't hear them ask Biden, what are you going to do about this? And how are you going to hold China responsible? Of course, that's kind of gone to the wayside. So, all right, Sonny, thank you very much. Sonny, side of things right here, live from Studio 6B. More to do on a Thursday night. Paul will do some more news, sports. It's all coming up. Glad you're in. We're back right after this. from studio 6b sunny side of things love that love getting to the audience good responses from the audience as always um good getting the guys involved now i like that segment g i like it a lot so far so all right let's do another segment i like a lot not sports with uh, rick emirati what's going on pal all right big d well round one charles schwab challenge in colonial country club in one of my favorite places fort worth texas right now jordan spieth and sergio garcia after day one both shot a seven under for 63 and they're both tied for first again it's early it's only day one everybody's getting warmed up though for tory pines in san diego uh on the 17th to the 20th of June. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that and let's see. Let's see if Jordan Spieth or Sergio Garcia are our number one guy come Sunday when I report on Monday. Tory Pines would be the U.S. Open, right? Coming That's up? correct. Yep. Yeah. The big U.S. The big one. Uh, and uh, we have Major League Baseball. Phillies over the Marlins. These are all finals. Phillies over the Marlins, 3-2 to two earlier today. Uh, the Mets swept the doubleheader, winning the first game 1-0. Marcus Stroman with the win. And then they took the second game 4-2 to two over the Rockies. Cubs over the Pirates, 5-3. to three. Kyle Hendricks with the win for the Cubs. Brewers over the Padres, 6-5. Jackie Bradley hit a uh, one-run uh, single off the wall in the 10th, and they won that game. Indians, 5-2 over the Tigers. Rays, 7-2 over the Royals. And the Blue Jays over the Yankees in the first game, 2-zip. Alec Manoa, Manoa with 7Ks uh, and 6 scoreless innings. The Yan- second game right now, Yankees lead 4-3. to three. That's bottom of the 5th. Reds lead the Nationals 3-0 in the fifth, and Orioles and White Sox tied zip-zip mid-first after a rain delay. Angels visit the Athletics. Cardinals go out out to Arizona to take on the Diamondbacks. Rangers at the Mariners, and the Giants go out to take on the Dodgers. All these games are between 940 and 10-10 first pitches. NHL, just two games in the playoffs tonight. Toronto right now leading the series 3-1, to but trailing the Canadians 3-1 to after two periods. Joel Armia with two goals for the Habs. Uh, the Habs are trying to stave off elimination, and uh, we'll keep an eye on that game heading into the third. Carolina 
Good game. Great series. The Hurricanes lead the series 3-2. to two. They're trying to close it out, but they're down in Nashville tonight taking on the Predators. That's a 9.30 puck drop. Uh, we'll have an early uh, you know, idea of what's going on when I do the report uh, in the second segment. NBA action. We have three games on tonight. One live right now. The Bucks all over the Heat. 49-36 at the half. Jimmy Butler leads all scorers for the Heat with 16, but he needs a little help because right now his team is down and they're trailing by 13. They need to pull out too because Milwaukee's up 2-0 in that series. Uh, another good series. Suns go to the Staples Center to take on LeBron and the Lakers. That's a 10 p.m. tip. That series is tied 1-1. And Nuggets and Trailblazers also tied 1-1. That's a 10-30 tip out in Portland. And speaking of basketball, Knicks indefinitely banned fan who spit on Trey Young. This is from Blake Harper. Um, this is uh, from uh, Yard Barker. The Knicks announced that the fan who spat on Trey Young has been indefinitely banned from Madison Square Garden. We apologize to Trey and the entire Atlantic Hawks, Atlanta Hawks organization for his, this fan's behavior, the Knicks said in the statement. This is completely unacceptable and will not be tolerated in our venue. We have turned the information over to the appropriate authorities. A heated but ultimately civil rivalry between Young and the fans at MSG emerged during the first two games of the series between the Hawks and Knicks. Fans directed multiple chants at the third-year point guard, including references to him balding, uh, while Young happily gave it right back to the fans, even getting to shush them after he hit a game-winning basket in Game 1. However, one fan crossed the line in the fourth quarter of Game 2. The unidentified uh, spectator spit on Young. The incident was not noticed by Young in the moment, but a video of the spitting circulated online with people expressing outrage at the fans' behavior. And I don't know what's going on, because in Philadelphia, a very similar situation that I briefly touched on last night at the close of that Sixers victory, and a fan who dumped popcorn on Russell Westbrook receives indefinite ban from the Sixers. This is also from Blake Harper. The fan who dumped uh, popcorn onto Russell uh, Westbrook's head uh, had had his season tickets revoked by the Philadelphia 76ers, along with receiving an indefinite ban from the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, You know, I... Russell Westbrook, Westbrook went absolutely bananas, and you can't blame the guy. He got injured, hurt his ankle, and he was heading off, and some fans just dumped popcorn. So these fans have really got to peel it back. The oh, NBA came out with a statement earlier today. I'm just paraphrasing. Paraphrasing, they're going to really keep an eye on things and really tighten up with security. But uh, I don't know. These fans, they get the pleasure of going back to a game after a year of shutdown, and they're acting like a bunch of animals. So sorry to hear that. Very embarrassing. Um, and Tiger Woods uh, discusses his re- rehab. More painful than anything I've ever experienced. This is from Daniel Rappaport of Golf Digest. In his first interview since February's car accident, the 15-time major champion says his primary focus is regaining strength in his injured right leg. Three months after sustaining serious leg, leg injuries in a single car crash outside L.A., Tiger Woods finds himself in an unfamiliar re- routine. Rehab, rehab, rehab. Uh, this has been an entirely different animal, Woods said of the post-crash injuries. I understand more of the rehab process because of my past injuries, but this is more painful than anything I've ever experienced. The rehab is focused on strengthening his right leg, which suffered traumatic injuries when he lost control of his vehicle the morning of February 23rd. Woods' injuries uh, communicated uh, open fractures to both his tibia and fibula bones in his right leg. Those required immediate surgery at Harbor UCLA Medical Center before he was subsequently transferred back. But uh, Woods is trying to make a comeback you know, in terms of getting healthy, but when he was asked about whether or not he's going to play again, he said at this time he just has no comment. He cannot even say he doesn't know. He just wants to get better, get walking, and get healthy again. So uh, we're going to keep an eye on that. Obviously, he sent congratulations to Phil Mickelson, his dear friend. Uh, he sent them a, a message about it, what an inspiration he is. So we'll see. I mean, I'm, I, for one, like many, are rooting for Tiger. But I don't know, Big D, that's going to be a hell of an injury to come back from uh, and to go and play at that level.
I saw a picture of him that he took with some poor girl who had cancer that I think he surprised, made a visit to, to see. Was uh, I don't know. I don't know the story. I don't want to say it was her dying wish because I don't know if she's dying, but I know she has cancer, and she had some wish to meet Tiger Woods, and he fulfilled that, and I saw them take a picture, and he did not look great. Obviously, he's on crutches, but he just did not look um, – he looks like he has a long road ahead of him. He's got a long road, and he's no he's no spring chicken either, Big D, to come back. But we saw Phil Mickelson win it at 50, but obviously Phil did not endure an injury like that, catastrophic injury. Uh, just one more. Wayne Gretzky's rookie card sells for $3.75 million, shatters uh, record for hockey cards. This is from Tan Verhan of uh, ESPN. A 1979 OPG uh, Wayne Gretzky rookie card has sold for $3.75 million in a private sale broker through Heritage Auctions. The card was graded at Gem Min 10 and blew past the previous record for a hockey card. Uh, Gretzky's been in the news lately. He just signed that uh, contract to be an analyst with TNT, I reported last night. Uh, so uh, he's back in the news quite a bit. And like they said, who better to have the top-selling card than, really, the great one, Wayne Gretzky. So uh, that's a wrap in sports. Big deal. I'll have more scores in my second segment later on tonight. All right, thanks, Rick. Uh, what else is going on in the news, Paul? Well, i got a happy, quick little story here. A garbage collector spots a boy hiding in a trash bin, stops the compactor just in time, saving his life. Oh, my God. A, a Florida sanitation worker was recently recognized and awarded in the Hillsborough County for saving the young boy's life. A Waldo Fidel, a garb, uh, garbage truck driver working for Waste Connections in um, Tampa, said uh, he, he had... Uh, Elias had hit, the boy Elias had hidden the garbage bin outside the house, unaware the waste collection truck was en route. They were playing hide-and-seek as a family. When the truck arrived, the garbage can was mechanically hoisted up in, and its contents dumped into the back of the truck. At this point, the driver noticed the boy through the surveillance camera and act, acted rapidly to save him. He hit the emergency button to stop the truck's compactor blade from compacting uh, the garbage and saving the boy's uh, from being seriously wounded or killed. Uh, the driver admitted he had overcome with emotion when he heard Elias screaming in terror. I oh. come outside, I see him, he seemed happy. I said, you're okay now. And Carmen Salazar, the, the, the boy's grandma, heard Elias crying for help and thought he was trapped under the truck, causing her to panic. Um, it, it, during the award presentation, a uh, sheriff of uh, of the small town they were in, uh, they praised him for his incredibly quick actions. And it's just the stories. Uh, it goes on, but it's it's a beautiful story, and uh, this, it's nice just to see. Uh, just yeah. such a great story. Who um, who was watching him? The, was the whole family was playing oh, hide and seek in the yard, and the kid apparently, oh. you know, just. Found a really good spot that just really uh, bad timing, right? A really, really good spot timing. with really Man. bad timing. Holy cow! Thank God he's. Thank God that wasn't my family. They would, I'd hide and they wouldn't look for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hour two coming up.
from Studio 6B. Hour 2 covered the end of uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Representative Matt Gates. For those of you writing me nasty emails about the fact that we cut away from the coverage, that's obviously not a decision we make on the show. So, I, know. I mean, I just I just don't know what to tell people. I mean, uh, I know. It's just you should have seen the telegram group was going haywire. Like, it's what? unbelievable. It's not my decision to take or not take. You know what so. we should do? We should just buy the network. We, and, we'll just no, let, should, and we'll let the people we should just at home shut down the us. email service is what I should do. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to know the truth. But, all right, live from Studio 6B. Uh, glad you're in. Paul's going to do more news. Rick's going to do more sports. Rick Delgado's here. Geo Fran holding it down as always. So I didn't get to this in the opening segment. But uh, to me, this is the news of the day and maybe the news of, um, I don't know, it's probably the news of the year. And for your kids and grandkids, it's probably the news of their lifetime because what's going on in the spending department and Joe Biden's proposed budget today is, it just takes your breath away. Six trillion dollars. And there's many ways to come at this. I want to start in the Wall Street Journal, James Freeman, the New York Times, Biden, plans middle class tax hike yes i said it and you'll listen and i'll say it again biden plans middle class tax hike just before memorial day president expected to propose world war ii levels of spending which is exactly what he did Mr. Freeman says, now it can be told. It's official. President Joe Biden has been saying over and over since he was merely a candidate for the nation's highest office that his tax increases would only target corporations and rich people. The line was always disingenuous because even his old boss, President Barack Obama, acknowledged that workers suffer when corporate income tax rates rise. But now the New York Times of all people, the New York Times is reporting that President Biden plans to support a direct tax increase on Americans who are not at all wealthy. Jim Tankersley reports in the New York Times that the paper has obtained Biden's budget documents and that, quote, the documents forecast that Mr. Biden and Congress will allow tax cuts for low- and middle-income Americans signed into law by President Donald J. Trump in 2017 to expire as scheduled in 2025. Granted, this is the New York Times, so readers could be still skeptical, but Mr. Tankersley's account does not offer a plausible explanation for why the White House budget team and the Biden Treasury would be looking to shake revenue out of every available American taxpayer. President Biden will propose a $6 trillion budget tomorrow. Good God. That would take the United States to its highest sustained levels of federal spending since World War II. As he looks to fund a sweeping economic agenda that includes large new investments in education, transportation, and fighting climate change. Documents obtained by the New York Times showing that the budget request, the first of Mr. Biden's presidency, calls for total spending to rise to $8.2 trillion by 2031, with deficits running above $1.3 trillion throughout the next decade. Ladies and gentlemen, as I've told you multiple times, I am not an economist, but I know enough about numbers to know that they only work until they don't. 
these numbers at some point do not work. It is unsustainable. It is unthinkable that we could spend like this over the next decade. It is unthinkable that we could sustain $1.3 trillion running deficits year over year for the next decade. The growth is driven by Mr. Biden's two-part agenda to upgrade the nation's infrastructure and substantially expand the social safety net contained in his American Jobs Plan and American Families Plan. Neither one of them, uh, by the way, has anything to do with jobs or families, along with other planned increases in discretionary spending. Federal spending in the World War II era allowed the United States to save Western civilization by defeating Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan. The Biden spending plan will subsidize daycare and electric cars, among other political desires. Unclear is what the U.S. will do in the tragic event it has to fund victory in a world war again. That's exactly right. But it does seem clear that taxpayers are being drafted to support a much larger government, almost akin to a permanent COVID emergency, adds Mr. Tankersley. This is in the New York Times. I just want to remind you. Yeah, right. This is not in um, conservative review. This is not from uh, the Daily Wire. This is not from Red State. This is from the New York Times. In each year of Mr. Biden's budget, the government would spend more as a share of the economy than all but two years since World War II, 2020 and 2021, which were marked by trillions of dollars in federal spending to help people and businesses endure the um, pandemic-induced recession. By 2028, when Mr. Biden could be finishing a second term in office, God help us, the government would be collecting more tax revenue as a share of the economy than almost any point in the last century. By the way, I've said this before as well. If you think all of this taxing is going to then somehow get reduced, well, clearly, I'm telling you, uh, you know, even the rich, if they thought, well, if they would, we're going to pay more in taxes, if you, will you spend less? If you think that you're going to see a reduction in spending, you know, clearly now you know you're out of your mind because that's clearly not happening. Yeah, it, it's like when you get that unexpected boost in, hey, look, they added uh, 10000 more to my credit card limit. Woo! Guess what? <laughs> you're going to hit it. It's exactly what the government will do. Mr. Freeman continues, he says, don't count on another roaring economy or a federal budget surplus if the Biden agenda is enacted. In his first year of his second term, President Clinton collaborated with House Speaker Newt Gingrich on a capital gains tax cut, slashing the rate to 20% from almost 29, and encouraging investment and the economic acceleration that followed. Team Biden now seeks to raise such taxes on the wealthy and then, according to the Times, raise taxes on just about everybody else at the start of the next presidential term. Taxpayers at all income levels. You know, you've heard, I, I stress this article because this lion fool has run around the country saying, 400,000, 400,000, no one ever 400,000, 400,000. Then you hear Pete Buttigieg come out and say, well, we're thinking about a, a mileage tax. Well, yeah, what, people under 400,000 don't drive? So they're taxing you every which way to Sunday. 
They're, they're, they're ruining the U.S. dollar as the world reserve currency. You're losing 20%, 10 to 20% of your purchasing power every single year. So it's not just about the black and white that's right in front of your face about your taxes getting increased. It's about all the other things that you're losing at, by the way, economically. You continue to lose. Have you gone to a grocery store? Have you gone to a gas station? It's not just about taxes. It's about all the other things that are going in the wrong direction and not going in your favor. That's an ultimate sign of inflation, right? When all commodity prices rise and rise and rise, that's where you see it. Mr. Freeman says taxpayers at all income levels, whether they own stocks or not, will be in danger of a Biden tax hike. A 2020 Tax Foundation report showed that the 2017 Trump tax reforms reduced effective tax rates for filers up and down the income scale. Depending on how far President Biden wants to go in erasing the Trump reforms, taxpayers might have to sacrifice not just money, but simplicity as well. Another report by the Tax Foundation showed that in the first year after Mr. Trump's Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, there was a dramatic increase in the number of filers choosing a less complicated tax return. One of the most significant changes introduced by his tax cuts was the expansion of the standard deduction. The standard deduction in 2018 increased from 6500 to 12000 for single filers and from 13000 to 24000 for those married filed jointly. As shown below, the percentage of taxpayers who itemized went down at all income levels. Overall, the percentage of the population that itemizes decreased from 30% to 10%. The emerging picture of a Biden economic agenda is a larger tax bite, more tax complexity, and for Americans generally, plus more IRS audits for those at the higher incomes. The administration hopes to collect an additional $700 billion over 10 years. Okay, so $700 billion over 10 years, and I just told you he's going to run deficit at $1.3 trillion for 10 years. Mm. That's the only kind of math that can work in a Democrat's head. That's mm. the only kind of, it can only work for him that somehow that's sustainable, even if he could collect that, which he won't. For purposes of comparison, this $700 billion number is about what Biden could expect to raise by increasing the corporate tax rate by seven points. It is far higher than prior estimates of uncollected tax revenue, but it's hard to see how one can reach such an estimate without questioning the ethics and professional integrity of every accounting and law firm in the United States. Would Americans rather have a narrative designed to fuel resentment or an economic policy designed to fuel prosperity and i think we know the i think we know the answer to that i would hope but this is just this is just insane what he is proposing well, i mean it's all, it's all about more government bigger government remember last week they talked about hiring what eighty-seven thousand more irs agents that's that's not to work you know in joe's irs office that's for the federal government it's growing the government Oh, Elizabeth Warren wants a bill to triple the IRS budget. She wants to triple it. She, on Monday, said she'd increase the revenue services budget to $31.5 billion in an effort for their ability to go after wealth. Just think about it. This is what's going on in this country. She wants to give them a budget of $31.5, in her words, to go after wealthy people for not paying their taxes. She said, quote, for too long... 
the wealthiest Americans and big corporations have been able to use lawyers, accountants, and law, blah, blah, blah. It's the same, same nonsense we've been hearing from them forever. People who've never run a business. It's, it's amazing. People always preaching this nonsense are people who have never been in the private sector for not one second, lived off the public dole their whole life, never created anything, never made payroll, never, never did anything that made people's lives better, never created anything, never dealt with supply and demand, nothing. They've done nothing. All they do is sit up there, ah, wealthy people, get them, get them, get them. Yeah, meanwhile, meanwhile what, is, what is she saying? Because th- she thinks they're avoiding taxes? Oh, it, it couldn't be from that two-foot stack of papers called the tax code that they have to hire these uh, you know, IRS specialists to help them figure out how they can uh, pay the least amount of taxes possible legally. And remember, she, she leaves I, that part out. And remember, I told you the other part of what they want to do is they want, your, they want to deputize your bank to basically spy on you. Absolutely. That's what they want to do. No Effectively, yeah. that is no absolutely doubt. what they want to do. Yep. They want to know it, it's all surveillance state with the vaccine passports and this. Yep. They want to know every dollar, where it's coming, where it's going, what you're doing. They want their hands in every single part of your life. That's what it is. the hour live from studio 6b real america's voice dish network channel 219 pluto tv channel 240 paul nolan's here with more news rick delgado's here rick emirati's got more sports coming up geo friend holding it down as always uh let's do crazy town g because i just talked about uh, biden spending us into basically you know we should aspire to to continue to try to do things the way you know we do them in america uh, why are we aspiring to be venezuela is just beyond me it's just beyond me. I, I just, it's just, I, I don't even know how people can listen to these numbers. I don't even care where you fall on the political spectrum. I don't see how anyone with any common sense of basic economics can <laughs> listen to these numbers and think that they're workable. Well, that, that, therein lies your problem. Basic economics. Most people don't, don't understand them. They're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as I get my paycheck, woohoo, let's go to the beach. Well, I mean, the entire... Um, gross domestic product, I believe, of the country is about twenty-one trillion. So if you how do you figure you're going to wait? If you can print six trillion, then why do we have to pay taxes? Yeah. Well, that's that's another good question, by the way. Just if <laughs> you can, it. I mean, what the hell? You know who I was listening to this morning, Paul Nolan? You know, somebody you like a lot, Max Kaiser. Oh, I was listening to Max got interviewed on a podcast. Um. And obviously, you know, he's, he's a Bitcoin OG. He's been there since the beginning, but he was talking about it. But I'll tell you, besides talking about Bitcoin, he was talking about the, the U.S. dollar, the money printing, the government. And, and uh, yeah, he's man, been talking he makes about that so for a long much sense. He makes so much sense. About, I mean, he, he really thinks in the next one or two years, he, he says. It's over. Economic collapse, right? Yeah. Full dollar worse than, collapse. Worse than, 2000, worse than 2008. Well, they've been kicking that can down the road. They just keep doing it. And they're going to, this is, look, they've run the same playbook they ran in, in 1913, where they just 
essentially just brought in the new currency and they're doing the same thing. They're going to usher in a new currency and they're going to pretend that it's the end all be all. And they're going to tell us that we'll never see any of these bubbles. We'll never see inflation. It's going to be the same exact narrative and they'll introduce a CBDC and we're all going to have to be subjects to a digital currency that but that'll be worse than I mean, that'll be way worse than what we have now. But also he made the point on that though, to say, we basically already have that. How many people carry around paper anymore? I mean, in, in essence, we spend our lives when we buy and spend it. We're spending as if it's a di- everything's a digital dollar already. Right. And the fact that True. we're going to get, if we do get one one day, there's, that doesn't prevent them from doing what they're doing with paper. They just create more. It's not, it's not like they're going to limit it. Well, that's what makes this cryptocurrency be so great if they can keep decentralizing it more and more and more. We finally have what I've been begging for for years, competing currencies. If, the, if con- currencies had to compete with one another within the states, we would never be in this position because we're forced to f- we wouldn't need the Fed. The Fed is a complete sh- sham. It's the ultimate joke. It's, it's the greatest Ponzi scheme in the history of the world. It's a privately owned business, and all it does is siphon off the wealth of every hardworking human being on the planet. Correct. Well, anyway, so I uh, was just saying, I, I know you like him. You, you were on to him, and you've been telling me about him for yeah. years. He was fantastic on this podcast I listened to this morning. And it's, it's eye-opening. Yeah, share it with me. It's eye-opening because he's brilliant. And not just about, you know, he's brilliant about money, about philosophy, about a lot of things. He's just... And, it's, it and was, he's another guy that's not afraid to speak his mind. Oh, no. You ever see him get into the fight on oh, no, shift? No, Did he get to a fist fight on an interview on RT? Yeah. <laughs> Literally got into a fist yeah, fight on, on yeah. the air going head to head with an international Get him off banker. my show. He said, throw him out yeah. of there. Now, throw him out of the building. Now, now Damon, did he, uh, did he talk about this uh, this? crypto crash that that's currently happened no he didn't care he says no. i don't even look at price price is the least price is the least important thing to look at when looking at bitcoin look at the hash rate look at he had all these other things that he looks at he could care less about price he goes because when you look at the price you're only comparing it against the, the dollar yeah which right. is useless which <laughs> is useless so what do you who cares about price he doesn't care about price so he looks at other metrics i'll send it to you too you can all you right. can watch it so <laughs> All right, Crazy Town. Speaking of economics and craziness, uh, Joe Biden's economic lesson. Let's hear. Oh, let's, let's hear what he had to say. Roll it, Jake. Oh, this should be enlightening. It should be good. He's so good with numbers. You know, we call this in my business. We call this a busman's holiday. <laughs> to have to come and ride a bus again the media. with another guy. Hey, you're awful nice to be here. The only thing worse for an elected official when the president shows up is to say the worst sentence in English language is, I'm at the airport. So what? thank you all so English much. Language. i got some really great friends here. Start with Marcy. And anyway, and I hear that uh, <laughs> as last night's vaccine lottery, Ohio has a new millionaire. Oh, my God. Who would have thunk it? Can't wait to tax. A million bucks for getting the vaccine. My mom used to have his question say, you know, no, she didn't. the greatest gift Stop God lying. gave mankind was the ability to forget. Joe, where are you going? <laughs> <Do that. laughs> he forgot where the microphone was. Every time I talk about tax cuts for working class people, it's, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to take back Don't. some of that 1% money. Even my Republican friends in Congress, not a single one of them voted for the rescue plan. I'm not going to embarrass any one of them, but I have here a list. I mean, 
Some people have no shame. <laughs> but I'm happy. I'm happy they know that it benefited their constituents. That's okay with me. But if you're going to try to take credit for what you've done, don't get in the way of what we still need to do. What? One of the things I've found, I'm, you know, I'm supposedly, uh, they'd always announced me in the past as an expert in foreign policy. <laughs> well, let me tell you Who something. Economic policy is harder than foreign policy. Oh, yeah. You're you know great what the basis of foreign policy is in our stature in the world? Oh, yeah. One thing, our economic prowess. Our economic prowess. We must be number one in the world to lead the world in the 21st century. You know, as my wife, Jill, who's been a teacher for a long time, she used to be about 10 years younger than me. Now she's 30 years younger than me. She is in every way, God love her. I'm not joking. Just, just consciously think about that. Children have an opportunity a 56 better, 56 better chance of going through all 12 years of school and beyond. And that is that, you know, there's a thing called DARPA, which is a Defense Applied Application Research. It's an outfit that came up with the Internet in the Defense Department, came up with geospacing and uh, a whole range of things that are related to our security. In the 10-year period, between 14 and 24, Excuse me, between uh, 10 and 20, 2010, 2020. Now, so you got over 50% going to stock buybacks. And the other percent, I think it's 42%. Uh, get, let me see, 56, it's 40. Uh, Excuse me, five. No, it's 38% goes to um, dividends. All the rest of the corporate com, uh, We'll be teaching combined, Common Core to my state. One of the worst votes ever made was during the Carter, the Clinton administration. <laughs> so Carter, a, corporation could not deduct and tax, deduct from their taxes more than a million dollars that paid for any CEO. Why do you think they buy back the stock to raise the price in of the stock? And by the way, I, 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 I'm a capitalist. But here's the deal. From 1948 after the war I'm a capitalist. to 1977. What? I think it was 1977, <laughs> 79. Productivity in America grew by 100%. We made more things. Productivity grew. Look, my plan is my plan is the right way to invest. <laughs> what? Oh man! Imagine what? if that. Imagine if that was like your, your 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 stock guy. My, pl my plan is the right way to invest. Sure, sure it is. <laughs> Come on, he's not the president. Come he's on, not, enough's come enough. On. Here's the deal. We just all just just grow up, grow up. He's not the president. If you if you don't think that was rigged, you're crazy. I'm having one of those moments where that's that's about as good as you can get for Crazy Town. But it's and, and the other Sad. side of my brain's going, we're we're doomed. We're, we're just doomed. It's not funny, Damon. There's nothing funny about this, Damon. What's wrong with you? We're doomed. You are Venezuela here in about six months. Oh, God. Listen to this guy. Oh, my God. We got to go.
live from Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour. Let's do some more news here. Let's. Um, you have some COVID stuff and some, uh, well, right? Yeah, there's because a I, I do want to get to while you're doing after you do this story. I want to get to this. I want to remind you about the media and how well, not that you need reminding how corrupt they are and and stupid, by the way, and so quick to judge. But I'm going to take you a little trip down memory lane anyways, but let's do a little more news, first of all, with uh, Paul Nolan. What's going on? So uh, a few st- few new studies are out about COVID, and the uh, this is from Nature.com. I know Fox is reporting, and other major news outlets uh, are picking it up. And this story was around. I did it last November talking about this, but now it's starting to make it into the news cycle here with the studies that have just come uh, reinforcing this. People who recover from a mild COVID-19 have bone marrow cells that churn out antibodies for decades through viral variants that can dampen some of the pro- protection they offer. Um, many people who have been affected by uh, SARS-CoV-2 will probably make antibodies against the virus for most of their lives. So suggest researchers who have identified long-lived antibody-producing cells in the bone marrow of people who have recovered from COVID-19. The study provides evidence that immunity triggered by SARS-CoV-2 infections will be extraordinarily long-lasting. Adding the good news is the implications are that vaccines will have the same durable effect, says uh, Menno Van Zelm. He's the immunologist at Monash University in Melbourne, Australia. And I know there was uh, corroborating studies from University of Israel and a few other major outlets that have all finding the same uh, results here, that this, once you've had it at any level, a light case, a mild case, heavy case, your, your bone marrow will be prote- producing... Uh, Plasma blasts that will co- really keep you protected. Uh, I'm not aware of that study. I'll have to read it because, um, and your T cell reaction. I, you know, T cells are really the thing that they're focused on. I believe the T cell reaction and how that's going to also uh, protect. I think they're saying here the memory B cells that patrol the blood for reinfection, while bone marrow plasma cells (BMPCs) hide away within the bones, trickling out antibodies for decades. They're talking about so, um, and this is also corroborated by uh, Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, so there's quite a few uh, studies here showing that stay away from that vaccine as long as you can if you've had this. And I had this story yesterday. I unfortunately don't have it in front of me now, but um, it was from John Hopkins or Johns Hopkins, as someone as someone pointed out to me. I said it wrong. I used of to course. blaze up with him in high school. Uh, Johns <laughs> Hopkins, who said that here it is: half of Americans have natural immunity. Dismissing it is the biggest failure of medical leadership. A professor with the Johns. Hopkins School of Medicine has said that there is a general dismissal of the fact that more than half of all Americans have developed natural immunity to the coronavirus and that it constitutes, quote, one of the biggest failures of our current medical leadership. Dr. Marty Macri made the comments during a recent interview noting that, quote, natural immunity works. And it is wrong to vilify those who don't want the vaccine because they have already recovered from the virus. Macri criticized the most slow reactionary political CDC in American history for not clearly communicating the scientific facts about natural immunity. 
compared to the kind of immunity developed through vaccines. Quote, there is more data on natural immunity than there is on vaccinated immunity because natural immunity has been around much longer, Macquarie emphasized. We are not seeing reinfections, and when they do happen, they're rare. The symptoms are much more mild or they're asymptomatic. And we talked about the email I received uh, two nights ago from um, LFS6B viewers who said her husband and her both had it, and now the husband is reinfected. And I'm going to assume, obviously I'm not... uh, well, I am smarter than Fauci, but I'm not an epidemiologist. <laughs> that it's probably some variant, I would assume, that got infected again. But I'm interested to know if, if the symptoms are almost non-existent, mild, or are they severe again? Or whatever. I don't know what their first experience was like. But Yeah, I think that was, those were some of the questions we had because, you know, they didn't go into much detail as, you know, how sick they got the first time or if they were just told, you know, oh, we got a test and they told us that we have it, so we have to stay home, but they didn't feel anything. So back to Mr. Uh, Professor Macri here, Dr. Macri, sorry, not Professor, Dr. Macri. Please ignore the CDC guidance, he urged, adding live a normal life unless you are unvaccinated and did not have the infection, in which case that you need to still be careful. We've got to start respecting people who choose not to get the vaccine instead of demonizing them, he said. The professor's comments come amid a plethora of media-generated propaganda suggesting that natural immunity isn't enough and that those who choose not to take the vaccine should be socially obfuscated. The likes of the World Health Organization have even shifted the definition of herd immunity, eliminating the pre-COVID scientific consensus that it could be achieved by allowing a virus to spread through a population and insisting that herd immunity comes solely from vaccines, which is just nonsense. Yeah. And I told you my own personal experience. I had a few mild symptoms, some stomach issues, and a very slight fever. So I went and got tested to be safe. And the day that I went and got tested, I was, I was fever-free, and I, I was ready to come in to, to do the show. And it got tested. I waited five, six minutes there. I'm looking through articles, and the doc comes in and says, so I hear you're not feeling good. I said, well, no, I feel, I feel fine. Why? He says, well, you're positive. I said, come on. I'm always positive. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He says, no, yeah, you're positive. I said, you've got to be kidding me. He said to me, I'm getting a lot of that um, from people who I'm telling are positive. So after we talked for a while, I said, so why do you think that is, Doc? And he said, I think there's so much of it around that people don't understand that they're getting exposed to it, even if they don't realize it, and they're developing immunity to it. So that if you do get it enough where you, yes, you have a fever, you have some symptoms enough for you to think, oh, gee, maybe I'll go get tested. They're coming back positive and people can't believe it. But what they're not thinking of is the reason that you're seeing so many mild cases is because you've probably been in contact with it for some time or somewhere, and your body immediately started to develop some immunity and fight back against it. So by the time the symptoms really came in full gear, your your symptoms were, were mild because your body's probably already been dealing with it. Or you may have been exposed to it at some other time on a very low level. He said a lot of the doctors around the area have discussed this, and that's what they think. Yeah, but they have to discuss it quietly or else they'll get in trouble. Mm. Well, whatever. I mean, I, I happened to go to a city MD to get tested. And that's, that's, where, um, that's where I went. 
Yeah, it was very nice. The doctor seemed very informed. Very, he was very good. Uh, and he said, we've been discussing this internally, a lot of the doctors around it. People are coming in contact with it, and they don't know it, and they're building up a little bit of immunity. And then when they get tested and they show they're positive, the symptoms, they can't believe it. That's why I'm seeing so many of this. So many people react the way you did. So, I mean, we've talked about this on the show, about natural immunity, about having it. Why would you get vaccinated if you have it? It's just idiotic. I'm sorry. It's just idiotic to think that you need to go run out and get vaccinated. There are some... There are some doctors who have said, you know, you got to be careful in doing that. You could be doing more damage than you think. Just in, in, because your body's already made that reaction. Now you're asking it or you're forcing it to almost do it again. It could, it, it actually could be harmful. Right. Well, we're seeing a lot of people getting sick. We're seeing a lot of adverse reactions. We're seeing a lot of deaths. When a side effect of a vaccine is death, hold out. <laughs> Just a little bit. You know what? I'm going to wait. Yeah. All right, Paul, what else is uh, going on in the news? Oh, well, U.S. cities reverse defunding police department amid rising crime. Is anybody here shocked? Amid, amid your car getting <laughs> stolen. <laughs> Elected officials in cities across the country, including New York and Los Angeles, that cut law enforcement budgets after George Floyd's death last year and the subsequent defund the police movement are now reversing such decisions amid the massive increase in crime. This is from Just the News from today. In June 2020, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, when what a terrific mayor he is, <laughs> announced a $1 billion cut to the law enforcement budget. After a year in April 2021, de Blasio reversed course and said the city would spend $92 million to create a new police precinct that was canceled last summer. In Baltimore, Mayor Brandon Scott, another Democrat who backed the city council effort to cut the municipal um, by $22 million, recently prosed a $27 million increase. In Los Angeles... Um, Eric Garcetti, another horse's ass, simply <laughs> proposed an increase of $50 million after the cutting the budget by $150 million last year. Other cities like Seattle and Oakland have followed suit. Um, and in 2020, major U.S. cities such as Chicago, Los Angeles had increased 33% in homicides, while 66 of the largest police jurisdiction had increased in at least one category of violent crime, including homicide, robbery, Rape, assault, and this is all according to CNN. So um, I think what's interesting, if I could comment on this before we move on, see how many cops quit, good cops, like veteran cops, old school, real guys who know exactly how to handle all the nonsense, and now they bring in all these kids who are going to come in and they're going to stink at their job because they're going to be trained under a new system of nonsense. And it, to me, it's just, this is like, it almost feels like a coordinated effort once again to get rid of the old guard. That's it. Let's I can move on here. Um, well, hold on one second before you do. Uh, so Lisa, I don't want to say last name, but Lisa, uh, I, I didn't realize, had actually sent me an email. She just resent it, thankfully. So it's at the top of the emails. There's so, thousands of emails in here. I can't look at them all. But she said, uh, I heard you mention on your show last night that you were curious of the details of our first COVID infection in October 2020. We were probably classified as a mild case. We felt pretty miserable for approximately four to five days, headache, fever, cough. The funny thing is back at that time, however, is the hospital did the testing. Uh, the hospital that did the testing was all over us, calling and also having our local health department contact us. 
asking numerous questions. We both received an official letter from our county stating we were to quarantine. This go around, we have received nothing, no calls, no letters. They don't even, uh, they don't want to know where we've been or who we've been in contact with. Strange. As for the second go around with COVID, I know you were curious if this is possibly a variant infection. We don't know. There are no details in the test result notes with the hospital, my chart account. That doesn't surprise me. On the brighter side, I don't believe I have been infected this time. My husband had a fever and a cough for two days. He's back on the lawnmower today. So, okay, there you go. Uh, also, our 20-year-old son lives with. He never got COVID either time. Interesting. So, yes, you are correct that the second infection is milder than the first. Thanks again for your show. Getting the truth out. You're the bright spot of our day. We watch it religiously. All right. Well, thank you very much. So, there you go. So, kind of what we maybe anticipated could possibly be. A little milder. Uh, probably a variant, although you're just not going to know. They're just going to say, well, you're positive. So, right. And that's that's basically how it's going to go. So, uh, Well, that's good to know. But that is rare. Seems to me that the numbers say getting it a second time is rare. All right, we'll do some more sports, squeeze in a little more news if we can. We're back. Live from Studio 6B right after this. to the hour live from studio 6b on a thursday night glad you're in paul's doing news rick's uh, delgado's here rick emory is gonna do more sports those of you who have written in requested the uh, max kaiser interview i've sent out a bunch of them uh for those of you who wanted to see it uh, i'll post it also on our twitter at lfs6b on our facebook uh facebook.com slash lfs6b facebook numbers are still going up but not fast enough we need to get those likes and follows up on the facebook page uh, so follow us on social media if you can. All right. Uh, time for sports. And here with that's Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? All right, BD. NBA playoffs. Just one game going on right now. And it's the Bucks up by 20, 88-68 over the Heat. Milwaukee leads that series 2-0. Looks like they're going to go up 3-0. One of my followers down in that Miami area, Philip Cornell, he says looks like he's going to have to start rooting for the Misfits now because his Miami Heat, <laughs> they're finished for the season. So shout out to Philip. Jimmy Butler actually leads all scorers with 19. But I don't think anybody. Everybody else got off the uh, off the bus, and uh, Victor Olawipo he hasn't showed up at all, so they're they're pretty much done. We got the Suns at the Lakers. That should be a good game in the Staples Center at ten. That tips off in about twelve minutes, uh, probably twenty minutes by the time they get done with all the pregame nonsense. And then Nuggets visit the Trailblazers. That's at ten thirty. So some good basketball watching tonight if you're interested in the NBA. Uh, baseball, just a couple of games that went final. Cincinnati Reds won the second half of that doubleheader uh, with three nothing over the Nationals, and the Yankees also came back. Back, won that game over the Blue Jays 5-3, to three, so they win the second game of doubleheader. One other game going on right now, Orioles and White Sox tied at one in the fourth inning. Angels at the A's. 
Cardinals at the Diamondbacks, Rangers at the Mariners, and Giants visit the Dodgers. All those games will be t- uh, first pitch shortly. Uh, NHL action, good one in uh, Toronto. Uh, Canadians uh, three and Maple Leafs three. Jake Muzzin scored two goals for the Toronto Maple Leafs to bring them back, and now they're heading to overtime. Uh, another great series, probably the series, best series so far of the first round. The Hurricanes uh, are down in Nashville to take on the Predators. That series is 3-2. Carolina looking to close it out on the road, and we all know it is real hard to close it out on the road. And I'll tell you, Nashville, those fans, they get wild down there. So that should be a good game. That puck just dropped on that. So we'll keep an eye on that for tomorrow night. And speaking of uh, hockey, Toronto Maple Leafs, John Tavares back on the ice after scary injury. We reported on this last week. It was an AP report. Maple Leafs captain John Tavares was back on the ice for a skate earlier today, one week after suffering a concussion and knee injury in a scary collision. Tavares skated at Scotiabank Arena with fellow Leafs uh, forward uh, Nick uh, Foligno, uh, who had a lower body injury, who will miss his third straight game in Toronto playoff series against the Canadians. So, hey, the Maple Leafs are beaten up a little, but they're hanging in there. So we'll see if they can pull that game out in OT. Montreal, you know, seeing what they could do and try to stay alive. Uh, and nation's top power forward Drew Timmy returning to Gonzaga uh, or Gonzaga uh, basketball. This is from Jeff Borzello, ESPN staff writer. Gonzaga's uh, sophomore Drew Timmy announced Wednesday that he is returning to the Bulldogs next season, likely cementing the Zags as the preseason number one team in the country and solidifying Timmy's status as the Wooden Award favorite. Timmy wasn't projected to be uh, projected to be in ESPN's latest NBA mock draft. Uh, after reviewing options with my family, I've decided to return to Gonzaga. Timmy said, uh, I am excited to see uh, to come back to Spokane and continue my collegiate career. I know, Rick, you follow Gonzaga, and uh, they picked up two good guards two this year, two, two new kids, so that team is going to be a, yeah, a tough loaded. one. Yeah. Um, and uh, Naomi Osaka uh, to skip news conferences at the French Open, citing importance of mental health. Uh, this is from Darcy Main of ESPN.com. Naomi Osaka will not be participating in any news conferences during the upcoming French Open, she announced in his post on social media yesterday. Osaka, a four-time major champion and the number two ranked tennis woman pl- player in the world for the women, said her decision was motivated by her mental health. I've often felt that people have no regard for athletes' mental health, and, and this rings very true whenever I see press conferences or partake in one, she wrote. We're often set there and asked questions that we've been asked multiple times before or asked questions that bring doubt into our minds and I'm just not going to subject myself to people that doubt me you know the issue with this is there's serious fines that go down with this they could be fined up to $20,000 for skipping a news conference and uh, you know we're going to keep an eye on that as well uh, main reason for the story is I want to let you all know the French Open does open it does start on Sunday in Paris and uh, should be a, a lot of good action with Nadal and Jokovic and uh, you know obviously Osaka and um, the Williams sisters will be there so we'll keep an eye um, and uh, last but not least I got this story from my good buddy Rick Delgado, that news junkie that he is. He gave me this story, which I love. When your Central Park softball teammate is former Yankee superstar. This is from Joe D'Alessio of Curbed. Uh, during his final season with the Yankees, six-time All-Star CC Sabathia sometimes dreamed of one day playing for another team, namely his friend's rec league softball team, the Warriors, not the Misfits. And this year, two years after retiring and one year after the pandemic wiped out the 2020 season, Sabathia is finally getting his chance. He's played in two games so far and in between getting gawked at pregame by high school kids fi- uh, finishing their own matchups and taking postgame photos, Sabathia's been working his citizen teammates by smashing the ball all over Central Park 
Parks North Meadow. This is something I've been t- uh, talking about doing for years, this Sabathia. Playing softball in Central Park was like a bucket list thing, and getting to do it with my buddies is even more fun. The Warriors were founded in 2012 by manager Mike Lynetta, a finance guy who assembled the initial roster from colleagues at his firm and some of the other sorted pals. Uh, one of those friends, Matt Siegel, had previously worked at the Yes Network, which televises Yankee games, and he brought along new friends of his own, including Ryan Rocco, now an on-air personality at the network, who also hosts a podcast with Sabathia. So Sabathia is out there, the Cy Young Award winner, probably the future Hall of Fame in all likelihood, is playing first base big D, batting cleanup, and he's knocking the ball out of the park. This guy, he can hit the ball. Remember, he's a pitcher, but boy, he can hit that ball far. So it's a lot of fun. It's a great story. It's a long story. If you get a chance, check out Curb, CC Sabathia, Central Park, playing softball. Nothing like it. And that's a wrap in sports, big D. Okay, Rick, thanks. Um, So listen up, Michigan. Uh, One of the people we despise most on this show, of course, is Ava Perone. And uh, I saw this release today. And um, let's let's get it started here in Michigan. Let's get some change going. Roll it, G. Michigan has come back from a lot over the years. Recessions, unfair trade deals, and financial crisis. Now, we need the mother of all comebacks to get back on track. I'm Tudor Dixon, and I'm not a politician, so I don't have a catchy slogan to say or poll-tested promises to make. I'm a Michigander, one who has mourned the loss of a grandmother who was forced to die alone in a Whitmer lockdown last fall, and one whose friends, neighbors, and colleagues have been hurt the same or worse by the governor's policies. But even so, I have hope. And I believe we can turn the page and move on to a blank chapter where we can write our own future. A future where our families are liberated from lockdowns, our students are back in school, our men and women are back to work, and our days are filled with joy. A future where American made means Michigan built once again. And Michigan might powers American muscle all the way to the moon. I'm Tudor Dixon, and I'm running for governor to get us back on track. I'm a wife, mother, and cancer survivor. I have a spine made of steel, and I pack a pretty mean school lunch. I'm pro-God, pro-life, pro-gun, and pro-freedom. I'm against tax increases and oppose amnesty. I refuse to defund the police, and I'm not okay with Michigan being home to the most dangerous city in America. I want the government to give you the tools you need to build your own American dream and then get out of the way so you can. I'm Tudor Dixon, and when I'm governor, your family will be free, your government fair, and your future your own. Yeah. Wow. I have such right. a crush on her. Right. She's, she's yeah. great. TudorDixon.com. She's cool, that's, man. That's yeah. a great, uh, that's a great that's, ad. That's nice a great piece. spot. Great spot. Beautiful. That's a great spot, and she's great. She's and great. She, and she's great, by the way. What did you say, Jay? Oh. Um, that's a great ad, and, and she's fantastic. And by the way, she's, ev- she's everything Michigan would need after Ava Perone. Ugh. God, she's yeah. the worst. She, Get her out of there, she's please. Quick, she's quick-witted. She's got, a, like you said, she a steel spine, man. And yeah. It's a great speaker, great voice. She, and that's going to be a tough race. That's going to be a, it's going to be, by the way, it's going to be a tough race for this doofus not to get reelected. That's just as shocking <laughs> as I, for me to say that. It's like de Blasio. Hey, can know, I, like, could, before we go, can I plug this book, Laptop from Hell? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, this this uh, Miranda Devine. It, this I listened to her. I just bought ordered the book, uh, Laptop from Hell. I listened to her on Levin today, and she was amazing. Please see if we can get her on the show, D. All right.
As always, we salute our military, active and active, police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Thanks to everybody on the show. Most of all, thank you, the live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night to wrap up the week. Remember, we're off on Monday. We'll be back on Tuesday, but we'll see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Live from Studio 6B on Real America's Voice. See you then.